World Music Views is a media entity. It's a trade publication that documents what's happening in music, particularly reggae, dancehall music. But the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in my sight. Oja. Here we go. Here we go. So give me your background. How did you get into being a photojournalist, image consultant, top-notch image man? Um, I was telling you the other day, I had the privilege of being born into a house um, with a father who was a very, very avid amateur photographer. My father actually put himself through med school as a photographer at, in the 50s and early 60s. He was one of the top wedding photographers here in Kingston. Well, in Kingston, Jamaica, rather. And um, as a result, I grew up in a house full of cameras. And, and um, every house I grew up in as a child had a black and white darkroom. Back in the day, it wasn't, it wasn't digital. It wasn't laptops. It was film and chemistry and darkrooms and a lot of technique that it's not really lost today, but it's not really being utilized as much today. But um, my father was my first photographic influence. And then how you pivoted that into a career? Well, um, I didn't choose photography as a career. Um, photography kind of chose me. Photography was my passion and my hobby all the way from childhood. Like, to like from I could barely look over the edge of the, um, the counter as my dad worked in the darkroom. Um, through high school into university, it was it was my passion that eventually um, it just naturally I just naturally started to flow into a work into a workflow as opposed to just something for passion. Um, I have to credit two ladies in Jamaica specifically for for helping me um, break through into the reggae and dancehall music specifically. Uh, Sadella Marley of Tough Gong under the guidance of Marie McMorris, was one of my first clients here in Jamaica. And um, I was probably 25 or 26 years old when I got my first assignment to shoot their entire roster. At the time, Sadella was designing uh, fashion as well. And um, I shot her clothing line, Tough Gong, I think Tough Gong Clothing, I think it was called at the time. Um, and she had a roster of artists that probably no one knows of now, Vicious Irie, Crucial Substance, uh, MC Nail, <laughs> um, but, but Grindsman. But a few of the artists are still out, out there today. I think um, Renee from Crucial Substance is still a performing reggae artist. Um, the other lady who was a giant in getting me put on in the reggae industry is the, the legend, Sharon Burke. Um, Sharon Burke, again, had me shoot her entire roster. And at the time, it was, wow, it was, it was vast. I mean, it still is vast, but at the time, it was Shaggy, Capleton. Um, oh, my God. I, don't, I, I couldn't even give you the list. But, but literally, between those two ladies, uh, most of my initial contacts in reggae and dancehall were solidified. And at the time, there weren't as many photographers uh, in general, because the digital age is really what ushered in the influx of so many photographers. Um, but as well as that, in Jamaica specifically, no one was very interested in um, 
well, not so many were as interested in documenting dancehall music and, 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 and reggae culture. And I, in my youth, I, I kind of thought it was, I thought it was the first one to be really be taking it on. But I learned later on that there've been a lot of stalwarts, you know, documenting reggae and dancehall music long before I started. Johnny Black, the amazing Johnny Black, Adrian Boot. Um, geez, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm forgiving, forgetting a million others, but, but um, I was still blessed to, especially during the 90s, especially, I was, maybe still am, one of the most prolific um, documenters of reggae music and dancehall culture. And um, the culture moves with the times, but the culture also moves the times. So in a way, you know, we that document this are, you know, we're, we're, we're influencers as well. You know, we, we, get, we get a chance to, to um, interpret and um, implement the, the dreams and the, the, the visions of our, of our musical icons and help to package that and bring it to the viewers and, and the listeners. And it's an honor. It's a pleasure. I love it. I was born for it. Nothing else I want to do. How do you approach an artist to capture their image? Like, what's your secret to getting that perfect image? For 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 example, I know that you did the um the Sean Paul album cover for Dirty Rock, right? Legendary album cover. It the album is now the second most successful album by a dancehall artist. In terms of hardcore artists, it's the most successful album by a pure dancehall artist. Shaggy did Hot Shot, but that was more reggae fusion. Um, Dirty Rock is, is pure dancehall. How did you manage to capture that iconic cover? And what were your secrets? Okay, first of all, uh, there was an alignment with Sean Paul and the, the Dutty, Dutty Cup crew um, from long before the album, I had been working with Sean and the whole crew for, I guess, probably five years before the album came out. So we already had a connection. Um, Steve Wilson, um, Sean's road manager, is a, is a schoolmate of mine. Uh, Jeremy Harding, his former producer and manager, is a colleague and friend for years going back. So they, we already had a synergy. We already had worked together many, many times. Um, I, I don't want to, how do I say this? We have some socioeconomic similarities as well. Um, kind of growing up, you know, middle class, but working in a genre that is typically dominated by those from the more, the, the, the working class, struggling class. And um, so it, it kind of was a natural connection. But however, um, with all that connection, with all the beautiful imagery that was created for that album cover, that actual album cover is a graphic, uh, a piece of photo art. The finger that is being held up by Sean was from another frame. So we took, we didn't get the, we didn't get the shot. Well, we got the shot, but in today's day and age, we're able to further get the shot by taking the expression and the gestures from two different shots and putting it together into that iconic hand raise and the little expression that Sean had. But that's actually the work of, um, at the time, Adman and 
and graphics man Marlon James, but now he's the celebrated author and uh, filmmaker Marlon James, also a good friend of mine from university. And again, Marlon James, the author of Seven Killings, is the graphic designer and the creative director that pulled together that, that, that shoot. And um, he actually assembled those images um, to make the, 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 the two pictures of Sean. The, I don't think I don't think this has ever been said anywhere else. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's an exclusive this before is, this music. Is this is a backstory, and I'm glad to share it with you, Junior. Yeah. So the point is that even the old school guy like me, you can still we all we're always morphing and and and, and metamorphing into you. Can, if you don't change, you stagnate. So why use only film and and processing when you can use the digital era to make a great image into even a more great image and it's a process you keep on you keep on moving with it the times change and you, you change with it or you die that's a legendary story my bro <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. so it's fun. so you've made sean paul cover tell me about some of the other album covers that you did that are notable for you um my first well, another icon in the business, the great Patra, her second album for Sony Music, The Scent of Attraction. Strange name. Strange name. <laughs> I, different scents for different attractions. Anyway, um, the album was called The Scent of Attraction, and it was, um, I think at the tender age of 26, 27, I shot my, my first album cover for Sony Music. Um, Sony had a, a label, Epic Records, that was a, their, their urban label. And the great Shabba Ranks and Patra were on that label at the time. And I didn't get Shabba yet, but um, I shot Shabba, uh, um, Patra's second album on Sony. Um, Beanie Man, I shot his, his first Island Records debut, a beautiful album called Blessed. Now, the, the choices that they made for, pa for Patra's album cover were not mine. I, I, I didn't have very much input. They, they chose an image I didn't like. They painted her lips red in a black and white image, which I thought was extremely tacky for, I mean, even in the 90s, you know, to put red lips on a black and white image is just, who does that? But Beanie Man Project, there was a Japanese um, designer, I wish I could remember his name, but he was so sensitive and so locked in the dancehall culture. And um, he produced beautiful collateral and single and album cover artwork that I still, today is one of my favorite album covers that I've ever shot. Um, Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, Free Like We Want To Be, um, arguably their best album. Um, I had the, the, the honor of shooting that for Electra Records. Again, at a very young age, I think it was, it was within months of the Island Records album cover actually. And it was, you know, it, back in the day, it was a, a nice flow between Manhattan and Kingston going on. And, you know, um, good stuff. Shaggy just shot um, his Christmas in the Islands. And believe me, this one is going to be, it's already a, a, a legend. It's, it's, it's already, believe me, this one, that will be, will be like Mariah Carey's Christmas album. It's going to be going on for the next couple of decades. And he's going to make more and more money every year. And... It's 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 a great album, and the image the imagery kind of 
sums it up. It's, it's, it's Christmas in the islands. We have Shaggy drinking, you know, Caribbean cocktails on a beach and in beautiful sunlight. And, you know, you know, Shaggy's thing. It's, it's, it's Caribbean, but it's super pop as well. It's super, super clean and, you know, pop music. And I love that. I, mean, I, I love the fact that no one's going to know my name, but um, my image is going to be over, you know, millions of households. And they're going to, when they hear the music, there's a still association with, with the imagery. And it's an honor. It's a pleasure. I love that. Album covers are not as big as they used to be, but, but in my youth, I mean, I was very much influenced by rock music. Um, rock and roll album covers were crazy back in the 70s and 80s. And it was, one of my joys was just to look at album covers and look at all the hidden messages and meanings behind um, the imagery that was created. Um, Cableton's More Fire on VP Records. Let me shout out VP Records for a little quick moment, by the way. Um, especially during the 90s and early eight, 2000, um, I don't know, I, I kind of had a almost a cartel, almost a mon monopoly of um, album covers going on. And VP Records and Greensleeves were one of my hugest clients at the time. And I don't know, I, I would guess I probably put out at least a hundred albums with, with VP records. And, you know, some, some would say maybe they're a small artist, but I feel that it was a pleasure to, to get to, to shoot, you know, with artists like Shaggy and Sean Paul, but also Warrior King or, or, oh, I don't know, any, any of the myriad of, of smaller artists, which may have had one tune here or there, but they still, shape the culture and um you know so many scouts so many trips around the island and so many meetings with so many artists and you know you get to hear for a couple of tracks in a in a in a in a in a living room or in a recording booth and you sit down and you you talk to them about how they want to portray themselves or or you suggest to them on what your their music makes you feel and then there's this meeting of the minds and 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 then all of a sudden you have some locations and you have some wardrobe and you have a story that you get to tell visually to complement the story that they're telling, you know, um, sonically. And um, I love it here, man. There's nowhere else I want to be. You recently did Skeng's debut EP cover. Yeah. And that, yeah. that was pretty iconic. How did you approach that? Because he's a, he's a young act. He's, he, he didn't have any big success other than jamaica before and and you kind of captured the essence of him how do you keep your, your mind on the pulse of the culture to know how to approach these artists and to capture their full essence well john baker is a genius um and he created that recording studio over in portland and um it's high aesthetic relaxes an artist to the point where they can access what's, what's within them. But the seclusion, the, the solitude away from everything allows, allows artists to just focus on the work. And distracted distractions like, you know, the posse or the streets or whatever, they're not there. So I was really able to see, and this sounds very funny, the sweetness <laughs> in Skank. And I know there's all the, his music has a, a thousand negative connotations and I don't really want to get into that now. What I met, what I saw, when, I, when my eyes met his eyes is, and people laugh at me when I say it, but I saw a sweet kid. 
a sweet 21 year old kid who's expecting his wife was there his baby mother was there with him and she was well pregnant i have some pictures of them together actually i have her first official pregnancy pictures and he was he was locked into the music but he was also locked into his his his, his family and he had his little crew there but it wasn't a big entourage it was three or four members of his crew and they all had their women with them so there was no there was there wasn't too much male energy john's a genius he had them pieced out blissed out women around them calm down no stress eating food smoking urban making music with no pressure so when i came into the scene they were in a creative flow and um they told me they want to make images that showed him as the goat the goat is a term i don't like right now everybody's a goat he's 21 years old how is he the goat how is he a goat the greatest of all time call shabba a goat call call sean or he has time to become a goat he's not a goat but um everybody's a goat these days but at the same time um just the boastiness of that brag and and to be at 21 years and to, to have the nerve to call himself <laughs> the greatest of all time that's that's a statement and you're, you're you're getting to a sense of who he is just by that big claim so we went hard with imagery we, we i mean we went we, we want to give him that goat status and we actually found goats and shot him with goats <laughs> uh, but you know it's it's not a, it's not there's no one path you know it's not just my vision it's always going to be a collaborative effort the artist the photographer the members on my team, you know, sometimes it's my makeup artist, sometimes it's my assistant makes a suggestion and all of a sudden, sometimes the graphic artist puts a hand where there was just a face and gets a more iconic image, you know. Um, there's, there's never just one road. Yeah. Let's talk money. Like fashion designers, unless you create a product, unless you productize, there, there's not necessarily... Uh, a way for you to retire as a fashion as a fashion designer, um, not designer, uh, 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 a stylist, not a fashion designer. Designer has his his product like a Kanye West, but the stylist in this industry they drive the imagery. Like Beyonce put on some clothes, a stylist did that. Um, same with the the photographer. How do you monetize your your products and your brand um and is there a way for you to get residuals from being a photographer for anybody who wants to come in the industry any image that you shoot editorially when i say editorial i mean for a magazine um well in general the magazine buys a year's worth of editorial usage from you and after that the rights from the images are reverted to you um is, a, is this in contract or this is the law? Uh, it's, 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 it's general, general contract and, and general law. Me, meaning, um, you, you, there's, they used to have a thing called buyout in the States, which is now no longer available. You, you can't buy all the rights for something. You have, to, you have to specify the rights that you're buying because there's, a buyout doesn't really exist. But um, basically, when you create an image, a commission image you assign the rights of usage to an advertising agency to a record label to a magazine to whomever um, usually if you're clever you negotiate a timed usage a couple years a year 
and very specific usage. And you try and retain as much rights otherwise for yourself. The resale of images, um, whether it be on websites or whether it be to other magazines, um, it can be a huge earner in most photographers' pockets. I don't focus on that as much as I should, but the potential is there. I have an archive of hundreds, hundreds of images, thousands of images of dancehall and reggae artists over the years. I have not really begun to resell them um, because it's my goal to have an exhibition first. Um, but that's in the works. I have an amazing team, including um, that same Marlon James, the, the um, designer and author. And um, I would say arguably one of the most important curators in black art in the UK is um, a Jamaican woman, Ziggy Golding, um, former creative director, former creative director of, of, of um, G Street Records in New York City, um, creative partner, and I guess in one, one time a wife of uh, John Baker. But um, she's an important curator in, in the UK, and she and Marlon are helping me put together a show of 25 years of, well, I guess 27 years of dancehall and reggae imagery. And um, it's lighting up this. This could be like, like the Bob Marley experience, um, the William Richards experience. If I was clever enough, if I am clever enough to really make something out of it, it, it can be more than an exhibition and a book. It could be, it could be some kind of experience. It, it, and it's up to me to, to kind of I can out. see, I can see something happening where you have a, a, a museum uh, a dance hall museum. I, I, in, I would love that. I would in, love that. In Ultrius. It, it's feasible. It's here possible. where it is. This is where it is. Uh, and I'd love to do this with you, by the way. In Ultrius, right on the pier where the ships come, are one of those new plazas that are up in the, the Ultrius area. A I, 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 uh, I scene scene by scene museum where people can chronicle 90s dance hall, 2000s dance hall through images. And you tell the stories of the albums that you worked with, which it's, you, it's you already have the rights for that. So that's that's a good way. And I, I love that curating that. And, it, and, and that's a good way to monetize. And here's my problem. It's not a problem, but here's my reality. And it's a blessing. Sometimes a blessing comes with a curse. Sometimes a curse comes with a blessing. Um, I love what I do so much that it's not about the money. It's never been about the money for me. So there are many ways to monetize what I do, and I haven't approached that yet because it's not about that. However, you said a very critical thing. As one retires, as one ceases to be able to earn... My work is very physical. Film production, photo production is very physical work. You know, we, we go, we scout locations, we carry a lot of gear, we work long hours. <laughs> Millennials don't work like that. <laughs> Millennials don't want to work like that. Um, I will have to, in order to have a, a secure retirement, as, as you were discussing, find a way to have um, passive income that goes on, that sells when you're not, 
when you're not working. And that museum experience you talked about, uh, ongoing, especially if you can make it interactive, especially if it can be more than just photography, but an experience like um, like 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 the, like the Marleys had the Bob Marley experience in, in L.A. Like the way they approach their tour, even at 56 Hope Road, it's not just walking around a stale museum, but they're interacting and singing and find a way to kind of find a rapport with your viewers. Make it live. Make it live, yeah. But there's a way to do it. And, nah, and, it, I, and I'm going to take you up on that. You, I, it's recorded, actually. We have a recording of you saying that you would do it with me in Ochi, so. No, man, I, I, I can see it because I've had this idea for Dancehall Museum for a long time because Dancehall is under-monetized. The brand Dancehall, for, for example, one of my websites called Dancehall Report. Another one that I work with is Dancehall Mag. Um, and we, we when when the guy who started um, Dancehall Mag approached me, I was like, wow, Dancehall Mag is available. I remember Dancehall started in the, the, the 70s, right? So the fact that, that that word was still available. Available is crazy. It means that it's, it's, it's under-monetized, right? Yeah, it's under um, and and it's 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 still under monetized in terms of stuff that I'm telling you about. Because Jamaicans are coming to Jamaica for what? Reggae music, dancehall music, carnival, some of them, reggae some fest. They're coming for the experience. So creating these experiences that we have the edge on. You have the edge on with that catalog. Because it's it's a catalog. Yeah. Just like music, right? And there's also another layer that's happening, which in terms of valuing that catalog that you have, that like coming up with a price for it, just like you'd value your house, just like you'd value your car, the intellectual property from the images you've taken from, from all these billionaires and, and millionaires and, and musicians and, and public figures all over the world, it has a value. And it's a media value, just like you have a, a um, video library. You have a you have a pictorial library that we can value. If you could have captured Bob Marley, how would he look? Okay, it's my suspicion that a, a shoot with Bob would 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 by nature um, be a very organic, flowing thing. I don't see him as a type to really do a big big setup. His most notable images were shot almost in a BTS style, a photographer's there shooting. There's some set portraits, but they were like the, the ones with the black turtleneck on that black background. That's a that's a, like a, a four by four piece of black paper taped to a wall in a hotel room in England, I think, where, where, where a man didn't have a studio. He just had a quarter fraction of a piece of backdrop and had enough time to catch Bob in front of that on the go. That and was Adrian Boot, I believe. I believe it was Adrian Boot, of course, the great Adrian Boot, the revered Adrian Boot. Um, so my point is, I think Bob's lifestyle and the pace of his, his life would have demanded uh, just a very flowing, flowing type shoot with not a lot of setup and not a lot of pre-visualization. I think his his presence was was the was uh, was um enough you didn't have to make a set you didn't he 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 carried his own 
you, he had enough of his own. You didn't have to create a studio vibe to 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 to, to get to that greatness, you know. Um, I I will never know. I I think I was born too late. I should have gotten Bob. I should have gotten Miles Davis. You know, I should have gotten Jimi Hendrix. That, that those I feel like I was born in the wrong era, honestly. But um, but I feel honored. You know, I I'm working with his kids. I'm working with his grandkids now. You know, and it's a wonderful family. Um, Sadella is really doing a, a great job to, to 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 head up the Bob Marley Foundation and to kind of step up as Rita has to step down. You know, and um, you know, I am where I am, and. I'll see you, Bob, on the next level, you know? Yeah. Um, as you navigate this modern dispensation, what are the differences with, with that time back in the days and now with photographers having, like, you have a million photographers, as you mentioned, just popping up, shooting shows, and they're doing a good job, right? How do you there's, navigate There's great that? work being done, and, and there's, there's great work being done, and... Um, If you always try and hold on to something, you won't have the the grasp to hold what's new. And the older generations, the old the old G's like me, we can't try and hold on to position and hold on to the way things were and reminisce on how it used to be. Or we turn into dinosaurs and relics in the museums that we want to create. Um, you got to keep it. You got to let go with one hand and hold on with the other hand and keep it flowing through you. Um, so there's a lot of differences, but but it's still the same thing. It's 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 light and it's a lens and it's people's personalities and people's energy. Um, it's a lot less technical now in terms of the art of. Lighting and maybe composition, but it's a lot more technical now. In the, in the world of post-production and what can be done digitally. Um, it's, 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 okay, films like The Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, could not have been made 20 years ago because the technology wasn't there to support it. Um, likewise, photography can grow in ways it couldn't grow before because the technology is there to support it. So rather than be afraid of it, you got to move with it. The AI, the AI movement is here and I've been a little bit phobic to be to be sure, but again, it's something that has to be embraced and accepted, and use it to your advantage rather than fear it. Because as the longer you sit there fearing it, there's some twenty year old who's not fearing it. They're using it right now, right now. So, you know, it changes, but life changes. You know, um, I hope I'm not trying to approach photography the same way ten, ten years from now. That's what I'm doing now. Likewise, I've changed my approach in a lot of ways from 20 years ago. So let's keep it moving, Junior Wakis. Tell me how you think AI has changed the photography industry and how you think it will change. You think art is going to go with clicking chat GPT and Dali to get their album covers, or you think there's still... A, a collaboration that's necessary with the artists and AI, and, and what kind of future you see happening? Wait, there's gonna be there's gonna be straight AI album covers right around the corner, and it's gonna go a bit up, and then it's gonna go down again. People are gonna get really sick of it, and people are gonna say, "Ew, it's AI. I don't want that album cover." 
but it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna go up and then it's gonna wane really quickly. But here's where it, it's gonna get weirder. The technology is gonna improve. Right now we have the the, the to make we have, we can make really realistic and impressive paintings, but within five years, maybe shorter, it's gonna be possible to make digital imagery that is almost undiscernible from photography. Um, in a few years, it's going to be possible to um, generate imagery with AI that you can't tell from photography. And that's when it's going to really impact more strongly. There's Ad agencies are already using AI to do their layouts and their spec pictures and um, to sell their campaigns to their clients. Um, and that's, you know, it's almost slashing the size of their graphics department because there's no need for that intermediary between concept and execution artist stage. AI is doing a lot of that work now. You don't have to have that huge um, art, art department staff because AI can take a lot of that load and they're going to take more of it. However, um, right now, especially in the art world, especially in cities where they can afford it, there is a genre of um, artists who don't shoot digital. They shoot film still. And there are clients who still pay for film and processing and contact sheets and prints and then the scanning of those things to make it into the digital artwork that needs to be made for, for the market today. Likewise, there's, there's always going to be a market for photographers and um, real photography, but it's going to be, it's going to shrink. And there's going to be a, a large part of the market is going to be eaten up by AI work. Um, one of my colleagues in New York, Daniel Hastings, he was kind of the, the hip hop equivalent to what I was um, for dancehall. He, he, he shot hundreds hundreds and maybe thousands of hip-hop artists over the, day, the years. Um, he's already doing music videos using, so, um, using free and publicly accessible AI video and image generators, Daniel Hastings. Um, they look awful. I mean, they look like AI shit. Um, but they, but they look also cool, you know what I mean? And, and, and there's going to be more of that. It's inevitable. And, um, there's, there's lawsuits being going on in the States right now and, and artists cowering and shivering behind their sheets, but there's nothing we can do about it, you know? Which, which gives the argument for stuff like the museum, because AI can't go back and recreate those uh, nostalgic pieces no they can't but so that's the edge that that and yeah that's that's a way to keep keep you know using what exists to to to, to keep monetizing and going forward and and i'm glad i'm glad that I mean, i'm glad i'm glad and honored for this interview but that that is a straight practical thing that i've gleaned from this is 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 the the, the museum experience not just a sh exhibition but to try and make it into something that is more of a permanent type fixture 
Yeah. Fixture, yeah, yeah. But there aren't any. The only the only notable museum in Jamaica is the Bob Marley Museum. And that's driven by one man. However, reggae is driven by 500 people. Dance hall, maybe 2,000 people. Chris Blackwell tried something at Island Village in Ochi, similar to what you're talking about. And I actually contributed some prints to a reggae experience that he had going on, going on there. But um, why not use his thing and do it better? I have yeah. no problem. I have yeah. no problem ripping off Chris, the great Chris Blackwell reggae experience and make it the William Richards reggae experience. And thank you, Chris Blackwell. You the, William, Black William Richards JR experience. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Now, but, but I, I want to do it with you. Um, are we going to confirm and, and find the details? Because it, it will take some funding. It will take yeah. some organizing. But you have the product already. It's, it's about the space. And, and it's about developing um, that brand, which, which is closely tied to a lost art, photography. And, and, and it's like you're, you're, you're teaching. It's a teaching moment as well. So you have to find the moments where you're, you're teaching photo enthusiasts who come off the ships and, and come to Jamaica. And they said 2 million people come to Jamaica a year, right? That's 2 million people with money that want to see something. They're not just coming to chill in a hotel. They're coming, and and then we could partner with the hotels and all that. But so it's a it's an avenue that I saw. It's one of the reasons why I wanted this interview. But more than that, in terms of how you you price yourself now as a photographer in this competitive space, right? Do you look at say, oh, I'm Richard, I'm William Richards, and this is my value? Or, or do you look at the the value of IP now, the value of of um of where where all the photographers are? Like you have you have the the, the show photographers, you have the ones like you who who do the art of it, right? And you have people who just take their camera and, and do a thing. How do you price William Richards in the market, and how do you advise? Young young photographers to price themselves because they, they're always talking about this online. By the way, okay. Well, I am um, the first thing I would say to on, to young photographers is it's very difficult to or near to impossible to get a client who is used to paying you something to pay you more. So you might be thinking that you're breaking somebody's legs by undercutting a price and coming into the business at a low price. But the fact is you're really only establishing yourself as a cheap photographer and that will be your rate. You're, you're, you're setting your rates that are going to follow you for the next five to 10 years. So don't think that you're going to save anybody. You're, you're not, you're not breaking anybody's legs by, but your own by coming in low balling. That being said, um, a lot of contracts that are out for work these days are three bid contracts. You know, a lot of the government contracts don't have a choice. Um, sometimes, sometimes you, you don't have your, 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 um, client doesn't have a choice, but to get three other bids, it doesn't mean they're going to always go with the lowest bid. They're going to, they're going to put in other factors as well. Experience, um, added value, stuff like that. But 
but um, you have to compete, you know. In this specific entertainment genre, my name and my experience can be leveraged into demanding a higher rate. And because I don't want Spice to go tell Shaggy that she got me for $1,000, because then that means that Shaggy is going to come back to me for $1,000. So I got to try and, you know, in, in certain industry, you, got, you, you have to definitely assume that you are a luxury item and you can either afford me or you cannot. But that's a wonderful message. But certain contracts like advertising and advertising production world, they don't have the loyalty and they don't have the, you know, a lot. I say advertising, that's not true. There are old school advertising cats who, who have a lot of loyalty. But in general, most of the people who I'm working for in advertising these days are my son's age. And they don't even know or much care about the, the, 20, the 20 years or the 25 more years of experience I have. They're more interested in the followers that the guy has on Instagram. <laughs> so, so in certain cases, you know, my, my name and my reputation doesn't really count for much with a, with a, with a, with a, with a millennial who, who doesn't, you know, doesn't care much beyond the amount of view, views that he sees and the amount of likes that he sees. And in those cases, you, 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 you quote at the industry standard and you quote with, you always have to write your quote or quote your job with enough wiggle room that if they ask you for a discount, you still won't be disappointed. Plus, I mean, just as in general, I mean, any contractor, any business knows this, um, you, you also offer the red hair, the, the one or two red herring. In other words, what you really want is the $1,500 a day US day rate. But you can't just come just straight to that. So you might put in a $500 or $700 um, expense item that you know can immediately be taken from the budget because that immediately takes, you don't really need the the $500 rental special light or whatever that you say that you need, but you put it in there on your quote so that you can immediately make the, the quote softer than what they see and still not lose something from your profit margin. And um, as I say that, Junior is now wondering what red herrings I've offered him in the past. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no I'm just joking. But, um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's just typical. It's just standard negotiation, you know, I, I don't try and rob my client in a quote, but I know that, especially in Jamaica, people don't feel happy unless you take something off a quote. So write your quote a little higher than you need to be happy, or else you're always going to go around feeling that you've been Dude. slightly fucked. Yeah. You know? Tell me your top five artists of all time. Just your musical taste. Um, okay, I'm... Um, the, fir the first thing that screamed in my head is Miles Davis. Um, uh, oh, my God. The second thing that screamed in my head is another jazz artist, Keith Jarrett. And that's two jazz artists in a row from, from arguably the most prolific reggae photographer. 
okay. This is the interview where it comes out officially that um, reggae music and dancehall music is not my favorite musical genre by far. I listen to a lot of rock music, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. I grew up on jazz. My father was a great jazz fanaticist. I love classic rock, rock and roll, bebop, post-bop, fusion jazz. The Miles Davis quintet with Tony Williams and Ron Carter and Wayne Shorter um, is, to me, musical heaven. It doesn't get any higher than that. Um, that being said, reggae music is church to me. Um, reggae music has a message of upliftment for black people that is probably at the roots of jazz music, but it's not overtly stated because there's no words. Jazz was a protest music as well. Any black, any black people music is protest music as far as I see it. Um, a lot of people forget that rock and roll music is black people music. White people own it or try to own it. They claim it, but rock music is black music. Rock music is blues based. Um, blues is black music. Um, so continuing, Chris Cornell, of 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 um Soundgarden, probably my favorite rock vocalist. Um Sean Paul. I, sorry, Sean Paul, you're number four. <laughs> Sean Paul is a friend. I love his music. I love his lyricism. He put the word medulla oblongata in dance hall. You mash up my ab medulla oblongata. That to me. I love that. I love that in dance hall. He mashed my Abdullah Oblongato when he put that in the fucking song. Sean Paul, you're a genius lyrically. You went against all odds. I remember when you were fighting, they said, no, little uptown white boy can make it in dance hall. He's not dance hall. He's uptown music. And you're stuck with it. You're stuck with it, nigga. And, and look at you. As, as Leon Edwards said, look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> pound for pound. Headshot. Dead. Sean Paul is, is a god, and he's a, he's a family man. He's a businessman. He's loyal to his friends. He's never left me out, man. Come on. The fuck? All these years later, niggas still calling me. I shot him last week with Barris. Loyalty, success. He's true to himself. He has so, a song coming out with Barris. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I, I, shot, I shot the singles, the photos for that single. You're gonna see the, my photos all over that that production. Those two songs, actually. So, um, and Barris is not an artist. Barris could easily make number five. I love Barris music, and again, Barris is a friend of mine. And the only time I ever smoked Craven A's, well, they, I don't smoke Craven anymore. But the only time I smoke cigarettes is with, with with Barris. And the only time I really drink more than I should is sitting down in at Harmony House drinking Hennessy and smoking with with the great Barris as he plays one track or another of his recent huge catalog you know um and those are the five you're gonna get right now those are the five that came to my head right first genuinely came to my head first and i don't have no regrets miles davis and chris cornell for life you know <laughs> i love it brethren thank you so much this is world music views boom this has been a truly inspirational innovative and hopefully we do some business interview yeah, this yeah, is we what World Music Views is about. Capturing your stories and leading from the culture to the financial capital. Two things I want to say. Three things I want to say. 
Thank you, Jamaica, for being so kind. Thank you, reggae music, and thank you, Jamaica, for loving me and accepting me and giving me a chance to be myself and to share who I am and tell your stories. That's number one. The second thing I want to say is WilliamRichardsPhotography.com. The third thing I want to say is William Richards Photo on Instagram. That's it. Not hearing you. Big up, Bridget. Thank you so much. All right. Happy to be here. Love. And we're going to talk. We're going to meet up here in St. Mary. Yeah. So come yeah. back to town. Link up and we'll link up. All right. That's it, love. Love to the family, man. Respect, William.